welcome to Abstract, a show dedicated to abstract ideas discussed amidst ever-changing tunes. I'm your host, Abby BK, and with me today is Maeve. Say hello to the podcast. Hi. And Maeve and I just recently connected on a graphic design project, and so me being who I am was trying to schmooze Maeve into coming on the show like I do <laughs> all of the awesome creative people that I come into these days. So Maeve, do you want to just give a little introduction as to who you are and what your interests are? Uh, yeah, okay. I'm putting me on the spot yeah. a little bit. Got to think about who I am. Um, yeah, uh, my name is Maeve. Um, I am a fourth year uh, graphic design and visual communications student at Champlain College. I uh, kind of just like on the side really like to do uh, media analysis and I'm actually moving forward in my education, hopefully, assuming I get into grad school uh, for anthropology, which is a little bit of a step away from graphic design, but yeah, yeah. definitely. And we can definitely talk about how you kind of decided to change paths, but I honestly feel like in terms of Champlain's education, it might not be like as much of a huge change. Like I know we were talking about like core classes and your inspirations with taking those here at Champlain. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I guess we can talk about it now. So why do you think you're making the move to anthropology? Uh, well, it definitely was inspired by core classes. Um, and this is, this is actually so topical because I've been writing my statement of purpose, which I found to be really challenging um, just because I had to go through my entire education and think back on what really like catalyzed this interest in anthropology and justifying it to a different institution that isn't familiar with kind of Champlain's more unique approach, I guess. Um, so uh, like I really think what started it actually was one of my graphic design classes in which I like was exposed to just these theoretical questions that I didn't expect to face in uh, like design field work. Um, and I think that's really what got it started for me was that interest. And then it just kind of grew and grew with, um, there's a lot of anthropological, anthropological for <laughs> uh, like narratives going on in uh, Champlain's core classes. So I think that really just like kept building my interest yeah. in that field. Definitely. One thing that I find interesting about that, which is like so niche to Champlain, is I used to take a lot of core classes with Mike Lang, mm -hmm. who is obviously like very into anthropology and yeah. that entire side of like studying cultures. Mm -hmm. And I know that he teaches the capstone class. So for me, when you were saying that, I was like, you know, that might seem like something that wouldn't make sense to other people. But it was like with the Champlain education, I was like, wait, that kind of makes sense. So how have you felt like, how do you just feel that like design and anthropology work together? Because I found it so interesting when he would talk about that and I wouldn't have thought that he would be the person to teach that class, but it actually mm -hmm. makes a lot of sense. Yeah, well, I think like if you really boil it down, um, culture just really greatly influences graphic design. And I am speaking like specifically on cultural anthropology, not archeological anthropology, because yeah. there's, there's a couple different uh, facets to that, um, that field. Uh, so culture influencing design and then design goes forward to influence culture. So it's this really cool cycle of culture and visual artifacts 
and that kind of thing. Um, and I think that that's really where the connection is. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. So what is the anthropology program that you're interested in? And are there, are there like specific specializations within that mm-hmm. that you are more interested in than others? Um, well, I am specifically interested in sociocultural anthropology. Um, and even in that, it's pretty broad. Uh, a lot of um, sociocultural anthropologists uh, have a regional focus as well, like a geographic regional focus. And I guess that's true of other um, anthropological disciplines. Um, like there's like essentially um, tried, like Indiana Jones, I think could be mm. <laughs> categorized as an anthropologist. Um, even though he's like an archaeologist, that's one of the things that falls under that umbrella. Right. Yeah. But that's not so much my interest. <laughs> You're like, Indiana Jones is my interest now. <laughs> 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 like, that is I why <laughs> I did all of this. No. Um, great. Well, we'll dive into all of that a little bit more in depth. But I also had Maeve choose five songs, as I always have guests choose. And do you want to just like take us through how was this process for you finding songs oh well spotify wrapped came out yesterday yeah you so were it was lucky pretty with that. easy <laughs> i actually i didn't follow my spotify wrapped quite as closely as i initially thought i was going to when i chose the songs but um i did listen to a mortifying amount <laughs> of the 1975 like i actually i went back and i did a bunch of calculations I spent like four and a half days. Oh my god! <laughs> the 1975, and I don't know what your minutes look like, but I wasn't it, too far off with Taylor Swift. Oh so my gosh. you know, we all have our things. Yeah, yeah. So I did choose two songs from them, um, but I also I kind of just chose some like old favorites and stuff that I feel like has a story with it. Yeah. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, why don't we play your first song? So do you want to take us? into why you chose your first one by the 1975. Yeah, um, so I chose this first one um, because it's uh, like it's off their newest album um, and I wanted to choose one of their newer songs. Um, there wasn't a whole lot of thought behind this first one, I guess. Uh, it's just one that I've had on repeat recently. Gotcha, I love that. All right, well, let's hear it. This is When We Are Together by the 1975. That was When We Are Together by the 1975, the first of Maeve's 1975 picks and a good one. I actually, I do like the 1975 as a band, but I feel like they're not a band that I like listen to a lot and I really love their music. So I'm actually glad that you chose them so that I can like hear more of their music and probably like save them after the fact so that I can listen to them again. Yeah. If you need an introductory playlist, I've got one. Oh my gosh. Really? Yeah. I can just share it with you. Yeah. No, (laughs) share the link. I would love that. Yeah. So I would love to like learn more about why you initially even chose graphic design and Mm -hmm. what was your pull to be like a, just a designer and an artist. Um, well, I was a very artsy child growing up. Uh, I feel like a lot of graphic designers say that. Um, but I just really loved drawing. That was like my favorite kindergarten activity, pulling out the crayons. Um, and then, uh, I guess that kind of just grew with me. Um, and I started to get these more, I guess, sophisticated ideas of what I could share uh, through visual communication. Um, so I, I think 
my most experimental year as far as visual art and graphic design was my senior year. Uh, I took this um, graphic design course at a uh, at the Hannaford Career Center in Middlebury, which is like a tech center. So it was very career focused, like skill building for graphic design. Um, and I also, uh, at the same time, was taking AP art. Um, so I was really like, I was doing a lot of traditional art and then I was learning all of these um, graphic design uh, platforms and programs. Um, so I think that really pushed me and I, I wasn't sure about graphic design before that, but after spending a year in kind of both worlds of like traditional art and then uh, graphic design, I was like, this is, this is something I wanna do. This is uh, like my, my traditional art was informing my design. Um, so that's what pushed me to pursue uh, graphic design. And I actually, I don't know if you know this, but I, I took a gap year uh, between know that. high school and college because um, I wasn't positive that college was for me, weirdly enough, and now I'm like, oh, i got to do more. <laughs> <laughs> i got to do more college. Um, but, uh, yeah, I took a gap year, and I actually worked in the design industry, if you can call working as a graphic designer at a sign shop, working in the industry. Um, and then COVID hit. So that we loved of, that you know, period. I had already applied to Champlain at that point, and I was like, all right, I'm, COVID has made things very uncertain. I'm going to go to school. And then I ended up loving it. So, well, I'm glad that the path that you chose was right for you. You know, mm -hmm. there's no, there's nothing wrong with like not knowing which direction to go in, but like how nice that like you just like found some place that was right for you and the right track right away. Yeah. So, and now you obviously work at a makerspace at Generator. Yeah. So tell us how you landed that and what your work is like there and what you do. Um, well, one of the first things I did when I got to Champlain, because the price tag of college scared me immensely, was like, all right, I got to get a, I got to get a job. Um, and I was looking at all these work studies and then the generator, uh, like a maker tech at the generator. I don't think it was called that at, a, at the time. I actually don't remember what the role was called. It was not maker tech. Um, but just the description of the space of the generator really stuck out to me. And that, of course, was during COVID. So things looked a lot different there than they do now. And we didn't have our little like office space, which you're familiar with now. Um, but yeah, that it, like I had my first interview and we went over everything that I would learn there. And I was just it, it was a little bit actually a reflection, I think, of what I had been doing my senior year of high school, where uh, like I was going to be able to be doing all these art pieces and uh, just like following my interests in a physical way. And I wasn't just going to be stuck in the digital world of graphic design the entire time. So that was really appealing. And that's what drew me to working there. Yeah. So can you give like an overview of like all of the different types of mediums that people work in there? Because they can train you on a bunch of different types of, I don't even know what to call it, like things that you can make. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so what the Champlain Maker Techs kind of focus on is what we call the rapid prototyping tools. Um, so that's stuff like the, uh, the laser cutters, um, the sewing machines, the 3D printers, and uh, the vinyl cutters, which 
now you're familiar yes. with. Yes. Um, and you've used a couple times. Uh, so, yeah, that's kind of what my skills encompass there. But the generator also has a metal shop that has welding. And I think you can blacksmith in there. Um, uh, like a wood shop with a giant CNC cutter. That's really cool because that's essentially, I don't know if you've ever seen the laser cutters. I don't think so. But it's like a big version of that and you can get really specific and detailed with it. Very cool. Um, yeah, and there's an electrical studio and a jewelry making studio. Um, yeah, and those are all trainings that uh, people can take, members can take. Very cool. Yeah. So how much do you find you have the freedom to like work on your own projects in that space? And like how much of your role would you say is dedicated to doing that versus maybe like showing people the technology, teaching them and like maybe using it for other purposes? Yeah. Um, so I would say probably about 85 percent of the time I'm able to just work on my own projects there, uh, which is really cool. Um, and my role is essentially to be available if students want to come in and use those rapid prototyping tools um so i'm there to help them with that and like go over everything with them um but yeah i spend most of my time there being able to just do my own projects which is super super cool and then i definitely found that i've been drawn to more uh like the using the laser cutters and uh applying that to stuff that i'm already interested in so um, I have been using, uh, I think I showed you last time you were there, the uh, printing blocks that I make yep. using the laser cutters. Um, and that was a really cool thing that my supervisor showed me how to do. And I'd already had like a really big love of printmaking from high school. Uh, so this was a really cool way to integrate um, this, like the really cool laser cutting tools uh, and do something with it that I already really know and love. Yeah, I love that it allows a lot of creative flexibility there. Mm -hmm. And that was one thing that I learned from. So I did speak about this on Misha was on here yeah. uh, not too long ago as yeah. one, of the, one of our other guests on Abstract. And I had met Misha and got to know him the most through working at the generator. And he helped me to design some stickers and using the uh, machinery there. And so obviously you helped me to do a similar project, but for a different song a different like music project but mm -hmm. same type of type of work mm -hmm. so how has your like obviously you kind of do you do freelance work mm -hmm. and you take on some client work so how has that been and how has also like having the generator as a resource really like helped you to take on clients better um yeah I mean uh I when I'm a student I don't take on a ton of freelance work just because I'm super busy um, but I was really interested in your project in particular especially because I'd seen what you had done before with the vinyl stickers um, and so I, I just think that having the knowledge that I have and having used all of those tools just a ton um, has given me like a different kind of design sensibility when it came to designing your stickers I had to be pretty intentional about the layering and like thinking where these colors are going to show up uh because with vinyl you can't just do like 50 different colors in a sticker it's like oh you know three or maybe four four would be a lot mm -hmm. um uh yeah so that just kind of um 
gave me an extra set of skills, I think, that added to, I guess, my portfolio of skills that I can offer to anyone who's interested in freelance work from me. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And I'm curious too, like with the specific project that we worked on. So I had released a song called Orange Mm -hmm. and I wanted to make some stickers to promote that obviously, but just as a background for other people. So what was like your creative process in taking what I gave you and making what you made? Yeah. So you sent me the little pictures of the the sticky note on the orange. And I, I had listened to the song at that point. Um, so I was familiar with it and, um, I, uh, my creative process really just was taking that idea that you had of having the orange with the sticker, uh, or the sticky note and the smiley face on it, um, and adapting that to what I'd already kind of seen in your brand identity, which maybe you recognize that you have. I think you probably recognize that you have that. I feel like to a degree, but it's always like weird to think of. Like, yeah. I feel like you don't even, like, necessarily think that you're, like, making a certain brand identity. Yeah. Um, so just kind of, like, following the thread that was pulled with your initial sticker as far as the visual language that I used when I was designing your stickers. So kind of, like, similar typography. Um, but then molding it to this new song that you released. So making sure that um, the pieces, like, evolved with you and your musical journey was a thought that I considered also while well, I was designing this. Thank you. Yeah. And thank you for being so thoughtful in the process of it. And I mean, they're awesome. Like I love them and you did a great job. I think what was so fun about that project for me is, you know, typically I feel like I release music in bigger projects and that one I'm so busy that I haven't really been able to like do something bigger, but I knew that I wanted to do some like different types of ideas with just that one single. And so I had a lot of fun getting other people involved in it. And Mm -hmm. so I know for me, like I just feel so inspired by seeing how other people can take an idea that's initially mine and turn it into something that's theirs. So what's kind of just like your thought process on creative collaboration and how that works for you and how you find like artists can maybe inspire each other? Yeah, I... Uh, I mean, I think about it a lot um, as my interests in, like, inter- interdisciplinary work evolve. Um, uh, just, I mean, how, you know, like I already kind of said, uh, anthropology was really influencing my design and has been influencing my design throughout my time at Champlain, but also music. Um, music has been a really big inspiration in a lot of my design work. Um, uh I've been taking a printmaking class this semester and I'm constantly like thinking about oh what lyrics in this song that I really like right now can I integrate into my work uh, or like how can I uh, convey the feeling of what this song or piece of music makes me feel into my work um, so I think just exploring the um, relationship between different creative mediums has been really fascinating um, yeah Yeah, I think it's been really cool for me to see on my end the culmination of like my whole like orange project, like how I would say, because I when I was in New Zealand, I was like I wrote the song when I was abroad. And then when I was thinking about it, I was like, oh, my gosh, this this would be such a fun music video. And then I was like, this would probably make for a fun sticker. So it's been so cool to see it come into fruition and like all be complete, which is really just like satisfying Mm -hmm. to be done with a project. But 
Well, that's amazing. So I would love to play another one of your songs, and you have another one by the 1975. (laughs) So walk us through why this choice. Um, This one I chose because it was my most listened to song. Uh, I don't. I think it was like 156 times I listened to it or something. So you love this one. Yeah, <laughs> I really like this one. Um, this one was on repeat a lot. I feel like I really strongly associate music with time of year. Um, and this is one song that I haven't been able to pin to like a particular season or time of year. It just kind of... It's always for yeah, you. It's always for me. Would you say that it's sort of like a vibe of yours would you say it like it describes like Maeve's vibes maybe um I think that's why you maybe play it all the time I mean maybe, maybe. not I think it just I think it's literally just it's kind of catchy um and uh easy for me to listen to I don't know that it necessarily like when I think about the lyrics probably not necessarily yeah. my vibe <laughs> but um I just find it really easy to listen to, which I think is why I play it all the time. All right. Well, this is It's Not Living If It's Not With You by the 1975. Here we go. That was Maeve's second, the 1975 choice, It's Not Living If It's Not With You. And I can see why that would be one that you would play all the time. I honestly feel like, I mean, I wasn't sitting and analyzing the lyrics, but I feel like just like the tune of it too could just be like playing in so many different settings yeah like it's not super niche in its vibes if that makes sense I really like it yeah it's it's not one of my friends actually um like worked at a wedding venue for a while and uh they were they kept saying that that song would come on during weddings because the lyrics sound like a love song yeah it's actually about heroin addiction is it really yeah Wow. See, (laughs) like I said, I wasn't even like listening to it. That's so interesting. I honestly find songs that have like upbeat tunes, but like really like deep or morbid, even lyrics, really interesting. Like, yeah, it almost makes you analyze like the deeper meaning behind the contrast of the two. Yeah. So that's really cool. I also really enjoy that. I think that it's maybe a little bit common to enjoy that. It's like some sort of, I don't know, psychological inquiry of some kind um because like remember when pumped up kicks was really yes that's a great example like everyone was just singing like i think was probably like 12 and i was like oh yeah like (laughs) it was really morbid and like we all were just like singing this like it was like some like Like absolutely jamming yeah like i think it it oddly in my brain makes sense because i feel like we're just so desensitized in general to like I mean, even to like think about it on like a global scale or a national scale, like when morbid things happen these days, I feel like we're not phased by it, which is so unfortunate. And like, I mean, obviously that's not true for everyone, but I think in like a general consensus, we're just so like tuned out to like these things, desensitized to them. Yeah, I was thinking about it recently, how it's so easy as an American to kind of separate yourself from uh, just like global issues or even national issues um and i i think it's just we're maybe a little bit less hopeful than we once were about our like the impact we have as 
we as a people. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> no, honestly, uh, yeah. I agree with you. And I think sometimes it, it takes something to happen at a local level yeah. for you to realize, well, I should have been paying closer attention to something happening somewhere else. Because mm-hmm. we all just get like trapped in our little bubble and like, mm-hmm. you know, life is crazy, but life is crazy like for <laughs> other people too. And you should know about what's going on. Yeah. So in terms of that, you had the chance to travel internationally and you went to Jordan. That was an impressive segue. Yeah. (laughs) So I didn't even mean to do that. Thank you, because I was kind of proud of that. So what was your experience doing that? And I would love to like get your perspective on like how that has changed you and like your global mindset, like what we were just talking about. Oh, yeah. Um, Profoundly is the big word. Um, So, I mean... I, I think a lot of Champlain students are familiar with um, Dr. Scudder's infamous Jordan travel courses, which I was actually on the last one that he plans on running in the near future or probably ever. Um, but yeah, that was really pretty life-changing. Um, I mean, we did a lot of kind of the more typical touristy stuff initially, uh, like going through all the Roman ruins, and we went to the Wadi Rum Desert, which was just really beautiful. Um, and uh, our group went to Petra. I didn't um, because I ended up getting uh, some crazy food poisoning. <laughs> yep. uh, but definitely the most impactful part, and the part I could probably talk on for ages, was uh, visiting the um, Azraq Education and Community Fund which is a Syrian refugee uh, education center, and it also services um, local disadvantaged Jordanian students because it is this, like, really um, just, like, impoverished little town. Um, But just the whole story behind that center, I've been learning even more and more about it recently as I've been doing a lot of projects and work surrounding it. Um, uh, Just, like... The town has, for a really long time, been female-led, which is kind of unusual for some place in the Middle East. There's not a ton of female leadership, so um, the center and this town are just run by this really badass web of local women and uh, international women as well. Um, So, yeah, that's been really inspiring. That was, like, the thing that I've taken away from that trip um, that also really was a huge uh, informer in my decision and desire to pursue further education um, and learn more about uh, specifically Middle Eastern cultures. Um, Yeah. Very cool. And when you had told me that story, like more of like your experiences over there, when we spoke, when I was at the generator, I was like, Maybe needs to come on the <laughs> podcast because like this is exactly I love when people just like like your eyes light up when you talk about it yeah. and so that's so exciting I love to see when that happens like to people when they talk about what they're passionate about so do you want to kind of give people like a bit of an overview of how also like that particular place and organization has also like you've continually still had a relationship with them mm-hmm. and what you're doing with them right now yeah um I gosh I, I think I have like three major projects going on that are related to them. So the first one is my capstone project. Um, My experience at uh, the Azraq Education Center really um, inspired me to look at educational structures in 
uh, Burlington when you skied for new Americans and refugees. Um, so that's what my entire capstone project revolves around is looking at this structure that was put in place in Jordan and um, I guess to give a little bit of background, Jordan runs on a double shift uh, school system. So that means that local students uh, go half the day and then refugee students go half the day. And this was a system that was built just to accommodate the massive amount of refugees that are in Jordan from Syria and Iraq um, and probably now Gaza. Um, so just all these neighboring countries that are constantly in conflict. Um, uh, Jordan has done this really incredible thing of just taking in all of these refugees, but that school system presents challenges and isn't the most equitable and has caused some tension between local folks and, um, and uh, refugee populations. It, just in that Jordanians sometimes feel like, well, my kid doesn't get to go to school for the full day. So the Azarek Center popped up and is like just accommodating and filling in all of these educational gaps for these students and really like helping these disadvantaged students see a future in this country. Uh, and I just wanted to see what about that could be transferable to someplace like Burlington. Um, and okay, so that's my <laughs> graphic design capstone project. Um, I've also, I've been working with another student. Um, I don't know if you know uh, Ronan Furuta. Have you met? I don't think so. Uh, yeah, we've been working uh, on, well, you should meet him, he's fantastic. Um, but we've been working together on a documentary film project that would center around the school and the aforementioned badass web of women. Um, and that has been a really cool and new experience to me because I'm, I'm not a filmmaker, um, but I've really enjoyed learning a lot more about the industry and I love film and I love media analysis. Um, so this has just kind of been a really cool interdisciplinary intersection of interests. Um, and we've been doing, we actually have a GoFundMe going right now. Um, if it's okay for me to plug that. Oh my gosh, that. yeah, go promote uh, it. So for that documentary, we have a GoFundMe going. Um, uh, but we've also been doing a lot of work, uh, grant writing, applying to different film grants. Um, so that has also been a new experience, but so cool and so helpful. Um, and then if now's a good time for me to talk about the pop-up fundraiser. Yeah, please do. Um, yeah, so that experience at the um, education center uh, impacted a lot of the students who went on that trip. And it was the first time that uh, Champlain had brought uh, Champlain students to um, that center. So people on Jordan trips hadn't experienced it in the past. Um, but basically uh, me and a group of like four other students um, decided that we wanted to continue to support the center uh, in whatever way we could. And we came up with this idea of cooking Jordanian food um, and donating all of the profits to, uh, to the center. Um, 
And so we ran a pop-up kitchen last May, but we have another one coming up this Sunday. Um, and so uh, all of the profits from that are going to uh, the center. And um, actually 10% of the profits are going to Gaza Relief also this time around. Um, and I mean, we had some really great local partners and sponsors this time. Uh, Pizza Verita. I don't know if you've ever been there. Yep. They're donating like all of the food, which is oh just absolutely incredible. Almost all of the food. There's a couple of things they couldn't get. Um, and yeah, it's a really fun time. Uh, like me and this other group of students, we just spend the whole day cooking um, and like making these meals that we learned and really loved from being in Jordan. Um, and it's really cool to see the community come together and like uh, professors and other staff members and other students coming around. Um, and so this time around, we're also hosting it at Common Roots on Dorset Street. Um, and that's a really beautiful venue. It's really gorgeous. And I'm really excited to be there. Well, me and Jack will be there. So I'm I can't so wait to, to, see you guys to check there. it out. So Jack's coming on the podcast, little spoiler, on Sunday, and he'll be the next guest on Abstract. And so this was all like perfect timing because yeah. it was like, we can just head right over there after. <laughs> so um, really inspiring work. And I think it's so awesome how you've continued to have that relationship. And I think it's such a great example of, you know, having something that seems like a global issue also be local. And mm -hmm. I mean, really awesome that we can tie it into helping people that need help at the moment yeah. in the world so yeah. really awesome work and I love to hear it so congratulations and I'm excited to see all of the work that you all have done um, but we do have some more songs to play so to switch some um, topic of conversation up I guess yeah. um, up next we have one by Hot Mulligan yeah and I don't know this one I don't think I feel like maybe I would because I know this band whenever I listen to it but tell us why you chose this song this is another one um, that I just find to be super catchy. Um, it's a little bit, not screamy, I don't want to say that, but um, it aligns more of like, with like my, uh, I mean like where the 1975 is very much my pop rock choice. Um, Hot Mulligan is, I don't know if you've heard of the genre Midwestern emo. No, but oh, I really? love that. Yeah, <laughs> um, it's kind of like, uh, like if My Chemical Romance was an acoustic band. Gotcha. Um, <laughs> yeah. I love that. It almost sounds like a daylist AI, like, you it know does. what I mean? Yeah, it does. But I, that's great. Um, but yeah, so that Hot Mulligan is like my Midwest emo choice. Gotcha. And they were my mm, top, my fifth favorite band or something. Unwrapped. Unwrapped, yeah. Gotcha. I'm like jealous that you had like this like right for your episode because I feel like any time <laughs> that I like I'm trying to make playlists I don't always know what to put on I feel like I mean that's just perfect timing I was, I was mulling it over <laughs> for a little while over. and then <laughs> wrapped dropped and I was like that makes it easy all right well here we go this is equip sunglasses and we are back that was equip sunglasses by hot mulligan and I would love to just dive into a little bit more of the stream of thought that we were on so what has like the whole planning process of this specific event coming up been like and like how much time have you really been like dedicating if you had to break it down like it's had to have been like so much yeah well the first the first pop-up fundraiser that we did 
we put together in two weeks. Oh my um, gosh. That was probably one of the craziest projects I've ever done in my life. Also, one of the most stressful things I've ever done in my life. There was just, uh, I mean, there was a lot of work to do. There was a lot of budgeting to be done. Um, we were lucky enough to get like a bunch of uh, just community members who were willing to kind of give some seed money to it. So we were able to actually buy the food that we needed to be able to make the food. Um, but I, it was just a lot of, it was a lot of work. Um, uh, like as far as the planning process, I mean, we had to plan out, you know, a menu and, uh, lock down a venue and, um, I mean, those were kind of the big parts, but also none of us had experience with cooking for 60 to a hundred people. Um, so that was a really challenging part of it. Uh, and we didn't have time to do like a test run or anything. We just prepped and went. Uh, and it ended up going really well. We did have someone ask if we could cater something else oh later gosh, on. They no were way. like, do you, do you cater? And we're like, not exactly, but. <laughs> it's like, maybe now I'll consider it. This yeah. is like another freelance gig. Yeah. <laughs> we could just, I'm a caterer Yeah, now. exactly. You can just make food for people. Yeah. That's awesome. So, like, can you kind of take us through, like, what cooking techniques you're using for the food and, like, what the food is? Because, like, I'm not even very familiar with, like, that type of cuisine. Yeah. Um, so the kind of main entree thing that we do, uh, it's called Upside Down. I'm totally blanking on the Arabic name at the moment, but, um, what it essentially is, is like a chicken and rice and eggplant dish, uh, and it has cauliflower in it. It's really delicious, um, very heavily spiced, um, a lot of Middle Eastern food is. Uh, and then we have a tabbouleh salad, which is parsley and, um, tomatoes and onions, uh, and we have hummus, um, we make homemade hummus, and we make homemade pita bread, uh, and we also make, um, a couple different beverages, so we make, uh, Bedouin-style tea, which is essentially black tea with a lot of sugar in it. The Bedouins really like a lot of sugar in their tea. Um, and we make, uh, lemon mint, which is, uh, probably comparable to, like, lemonade, but it has a lot of mint in it. Um, <laughs> and in the name, yeah, yeah. Um, oh gosh, what else do we do? Um, uh, lentil soup. Actually, I can't believe I forgot that because that's probably one of my favorite dishes that we had there. Uh, a lot of lentil soup. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Well, that all sounds delicious. Like, I'm yeah. actually so excited. Like, yeah. I would eat every single one of those things. I mean, I'm really not like a picky eater, and I love trying new food. So I was very lucky. So exciting to not be a picky eater when we went. Because there was a lot of new experiences there food-wise. Um, the thing that got me sick was, I, I definitely told you this, but it, it's uh, Feel like free to say it for the, a the listeners. fermented yogurt yep. that um, the uh, like local tribe, Bedouin tribes, uh, ferment in the skin of the goat. Um, and that did mess with my stomach a <laughs> little like, bit. Yep. Yeah. Maybe not the best thing for your stomach, but yeah. like still well, obviously such a cool experience. To <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. And so now we're going to play Maeve's final two songs. We're going to play them in a row <laughs> and then we'll be all done for this episode of Abstract. But um, up first, we're doing Party in the Hills Crab Walk first. Yes. Yes. I'm um, like over here trying to like keep track of this in my brain. Yeah. Okay. So do you want to take us through why these two songs? Oh gosh. Yeah. So Crab Walk, um, 
this song, like you were talking about, a song that fits my vibe. Um, this one, for better or for worse, does. Uh, it's a little bit of an acquired taste, but I ha it was freshman year of college, and I was out on Finney Quad. It was like the first warm day of spring semester sometime in March. Um, and I was, yeah, just hanging out on the quad, and I was taking a little nap, and I wake up to a dog licking my face. <laughs> and then this song comes on, and I just, for whatever reason, had the best day ever, like, listening to this song oh. on repeat. And I actually, I have a tattoo. I don't know if you can see the album cover there. Um, it's a disco ball with a crab. Uh, and so I have a tattoo of a crab with a disco ball um, inspired by this song. Very silly tattoo. Uh, and then um, I had something else to say about that song, and it's totally <laughs> no slipping worries. my mind. I mean, I think that's a great like story oh, anyways. Wait, um, yes. So it's the only song that this artist has come out with under this name. Oh. And it was my second most played on my Spotify wrapped in 2021, I think. Um, so I found the artist on Instagram, and I just like sent him the screenshot of it. And then I sent him a photo of the tattoo, and he was like, no one's ever gotten a tattoo for my music that I make under my, like, actual serious music name. <laughs> like, well... That's so interesting. Crab walk. And then why Michigan? Uh, Michigan. Um, this song uh, is a song that my friend and I listened to a lot on the flight home from Jordan. So... It's got a little bit of a melancholy feel, but also very, like, warm, familiar feeling of coming home and just having, like, a completely changed worldview. Um, so that's the story behind my choice for that song. I love the stories behind them. I feel like that just makes it even, like, better that you chose them for sure. <laughs> All right. Well, we will play the show out with Crab Walk by Party in the Hills and Michigan by the Milk Carton Kids. But before I do, I just wanted to say thanks so much for coming on the show, Maeve. Happy to be here. And listeners, make sure to follow along on Abstract Social Media, where I'll be posting updates and content on there about upcoming guests, show playlists, and more. Next episode, as always, I'll be bringing on another guest and interviewing them and discussing their creative abstract ideas. Once again, thank you for tuning in to Abstract here on The Radiator or on your listening platform. I'm your host, Abby BK, and I hope you have a wonderful day or night. Thanks so much, and we'll see you next time.